0: Hi, I'm Jeremy Hall, and you're listening to the Kingdom Ethics Podcast, a production of Mercy University's Center for Theology and Public Life. And today, uh, David and I are coming to you from the chaotic state of Georgia? Is that a good way to put it?
1: Uh, chaotic and confused, I think, uh, might be my adjectives of choice today as we record on uh, Wednesday, April 22nd.
0: Yep, and uh, there's there's all sorts of strange news out there from uh, the protesters and the counter protesters that are are they clashing in the streets yet or just yelling at each other in the streets? Um,
1: I haven't heard I haven't heard of any blood flowing yet, so I, I count that a, a victory. Yeah, I'm hopeful the blood, that there yeah. won't
0: be. I I get very we we can get there specifically. In a bit through the flow of conversation, but I get very irritated with the behavior on both sides. With a lot of these, um, there's <laughs> I so I was sick in bed yesterday, not with COVID. I feel like you have to say that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was reading a lot of news, and I'm mad at CNN and the the ongoing Cuomo saga. That's shocking. The uh, do, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no. Oh, this will be fun. I'll I'll bring it up if we get to to media coverage of the situation, and then in okay. some of the states are trying to move forward, and so we have places like Georgia that have said essential businesses like bowling alleys and tattoo parlors uh, <laughs> need to be opened. Um, not the schools, yep. but the tattoo parlors. Yep. I I mean I could totally go for it. if I if I get the virus, I'm getting a tattoo. Um, let's just be honest. I've put oh, that so on the record. Time. It's official. Yeah. Um,
1: it, is, it is on the Kingdom <laughs> Ethics podcast, so it is ironclad.
0: That's as real as it gets around here. <laughs> and the president's got his three-step plan. And all the churches are still trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. So, goodness. Do, do you want to bring us up to speed on the Georgia political situation?
1: Sure. Um... Our, just for our listeners, our plans today, uh, last week we talked about kind of personal and church um, reflections on how everything has changed and what do we do and what ha- how have we been responding. And today we wanted to talk about policy stuff. Um, I think the first thing I want to say is we have no living memory of a situation like this, and so everybody's improvising. Yeah. Um, uh, It has been 100 years since the Spanish flu took millions of lives around the world. And uh, I've encountered, you know, that in things like Downton Abbey episodes and novels from that period Mm -hmm. and and so on, um, there is, I mean, people who study epidemics study the Spanish flu um and of course there's there's waves of epidemics in the past but but I mean 100 years is a long time and so we have so everybody's improvising um because this is not something that that we have dealt with at the scale in 100 years um so I want to be gracious with um with that fact of it is also true that government officials, while their number one responsibility is to, I would say, to protect life, um, to preserve life, um, they do also have a responsibility to, um, to look out for the well-being of, of the economy, which also is about life after all, right. eventually. The,
0: that's, that know. point... Has been That has been making me so incredibly angry. To be concerned about whether or not the economy of the United States collapses is not to be unconcerned with human life. The United States provides the most humanitarian support around the world. If the United States goes away, the world does not get better. For all of our problems and all of our shadiness and... Sitting over here as a libertarian, I I don't trust the state as far as I can throw it normally. But the strength of the United States has enabled us to be incredibly giving and helpful as American people, not always as the state, but as people who live in the United States, we're the most generous because of how successful we are. And if they are not
1: the opposite sides and just in general, um, if 25% of the people lose their jobs, um, the government does not have enough money, does not have enough capacity to borrow enough money for a long enough time to keep all those people, um, uh, you know, body and soul together, keep them in their homes, their apartments and having enough food to eat and, and to give their children. So, so economic concerns are
0: are humanitarian concerns.
1: They in the end they are humanitarian concerns. Um, and then, um, so so that I think needs to be said. And to speak of libertarian, I don't know exactly what kind of libertarian you are, but but this this is an interesting debate right now, um, and it's simply a matter of um, who decides. That people are going to be confined to their homes and that businesses are not allowed to open, and 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 how long are people? It was well, some branch of government. Um, it's the federal or state or local, mm-hmm. and uh, it's either by legislation or it's by decree. It's mainly been by decree of our state, local, and federal officials, and it's been six weeks. Yeah. Um. So. How much longer are people um, willing to have their freedom curtailed? And in general, who makes that decision? Is is that the president? Is it the governor? Is it the mayor? Is it the county executive? Is it the legislatures? It hasn't been the legislatures. It's been the executives. Mm-hmm. So, so there are there are um, legitimate concerns related to um, uh, civic freedom and um people's freedom of movement as well as economic well-being um but while i still think the highest concern is is reducing the death rate because human life is sacred and it is it is the highest concern yes um i think a good conversation is willing to engage other concerns as well um the, the, we're also dealing with some major federalism issues here uh, you know brush up on your political theory podcast listeners you know um, <laughs> you, have, you have a federal government but then it has its limited powers and there, any power not enumerated for the federal government belongs to other levels and so state uh, county local um, but, but and there's a question actually, oh, go ahead yeah how that actually works out in practice when you have a national or global pandemic is really, really interesting to watch. And sometimes it's worked fine, but but we don't have a national strategy that's really that's really functioning compared to it's really been state by state in some in some areas, county by county. In some city places, that's
0: been really good. In other places, it's not been as successful. Right. And that's the so thing. Doing, for those yeah. who want your governance to be as localized as possible, there, there are towns and counties in the middle of the country that have not seen a case. We're now at a point where every state has had a death, but every county has not had a case. And so there are places where the restrictions being set up in the state of New York and in this New York City do not make sense in your small town in Wyoming and so there are questions about where do you where does that governance fall but then also like I would frequent I normally prefer that my governance be as local as possible I want to be able to go talk to the person who's making the rules that have to do with me but um how we've seen so many mayors and county commissioners that it turns out have these power fantasies about being a despot? How long <laughs> are you like, come on, you are the mayor of so and so? Wait. I don't give you that much authority. Um and so how long is your average Georgian willing to listen to their county commissioner or their mayor telling them what to do and feel how cause you're willing to tolerate maybe the president overreaching a little bit more than you're willing to tolerate mayor Jones overreaching. Cause <laughs> you're not intimidated by mayor Jones. President Trump has a lot more actionable authority, but so I don't know The with the tighter reins closer, that feels like more of a powder keg situation then, nationally. But nationally is easier to argue with because you can get on Twitter and you can write to your editor and you can watch your preferred news network.
1: Um, the Georgia situation that is right in the news right now <coughs> nationally is <coughs> really worth uh, pondering what the governor our governor, Kemp, who was late to impose stay-at-home orders and is, is already uh, basically
0: uh, undoing them back.
1: those. He's rolling them back. Um, April 24th, Friday. Right. Um, uh, the idea is that certain businesses are now allowed to open, supposedly if they keep their social distancing rules in place, <laughs> like um, tattoos that are undertaken from six feet away. Um, haircuts, that'd be interesting. Haircuts,
0: massage therapists,
1: <laughs> social <Massages> distancing, undertaken, <laughs> undertaking from six feet away. Um, that'd be quite a massage. I don't know how that would be done, but you know, it'd be interesting to see. Um, so the particular, the particular set of, uh, types of firms that were allowed to open. And then I think it's, it's, uh, more stores and restaurants and so on beginning on Monday.
0: Mm hmm. Dine-in um, restaurants on Monday.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I I I posted about this on Facebook yesterday, and I said the particular list of firms doesn't make a lot of sense, and in and, and the the combination of kids can't go to school, senior citizens can hardly leave their rooms in retirement communities. Mm-hmm. We know this firsthand with with my. Uh, in-laws and with my mother-in-law and my dad and um and yet uh gym and tattoo parlors and massage establishments and salons and haircut places uh, will be open on friday it 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 really doesn't hold together in any kind of coherent way and i so hashtag on our own we yeah on
0: our own the the georgia rules um, from the start have been ambiguous in every direction there's never been clear guidelines or clear restrictions it's always been like you should do this but not too much all of the official statements from the governor's office have sort of had both hands at play and so especially like as a church wanting to do the right thing for our people and um also not Appear like we're uncompliant. We're not gonna, let, we are not gonna let the state tell us what to do. But we're gonna do the right thing for our people. Um, we've been hashtag on our own to figure it all out. People are calling my office yeah. and asking. So are we opening on Friday or or what? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, well, we are on our own the- to make those decisions.
1: We are on our own, and uh, when I posted about that one of the dozens of people who responded said, well, that's how it should be, you know, human freedom, you know, American civic freedom, people will decide. Um, but yet, this this leaves uh, entities large and small with the grave responsibility of deciding um, how to assess the evidence that is being interpreted very differently by different people. So who do you listen to? Is it CBC? Is it uh, Dr. Fauci? Is it Donald Trump? Is it Governor Kemp? Uh, is it the governor of New York? Is it the governor of Minnesota? Is it the World Health Organization? Is it what they're doing in New Zealand? Um, who do we trust? Right. And, and every executive, you might say, every leader is going to have to make decisions now I mean, except in those places where those decisions have been taken out of their hands.
0: Yeah, like we, like, I was, uh, the the other pastor and I were talking this morning uh, here at Townview that we were a little envious today of where f- our church is friends with a church around the corner that's um, Episcopal, and his bishop tells him what to do. And it would be right. nice to pass that buck sometimes. As mm-hmm. much as we love our Baptist freedom, it it would be nice to have an official word. And so we're looking to uh, CBF of Georgia and we're keeping our eyes on uh, the Georgia Baptists and seeing what all of them are saying, but we are going to be the ones who make the decisions here.
1: Right. And so when your church opens up, if six people in the choir get COVID, and they get it together
0: mm-hmm. at
1: your church, you own that decision. Yeah. And, you know, for some, some I think of uh, universities and the public schools and the private schools, that decision is going to come up and they're going to have to make that decision, I would say, by June. Yeah. Um, if I think of Mercer, this decision will be on the president of Mercer and the trustees. Um, if Mercer opens up the resident residences in August, um, Mercer will own responsibility for that decision. If classes are held on campus. Um, yeah. So the state is not, is not going to tell us that we can or cannot do that. it uh, looks like it's going to be left to us. And so, if some outbreak of COVID sweeps this dorm or, or that uh, sports team or whatever, um, we own that, you know?
0: And there's there's always not. a second wave to these things, unfortunately. Because yeah, eventually we'll be, you have to go back to some sort of new normal. And when you do, there will be a new wave.
1: How we're to, being warned explicitly that another wave will come this fall. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about these, we
0: we talk about uh, the Spanish flu. Every time that we get the flu in the flu season, that's Spanish influenza. In some form, it has not gone away.
1: Even with our vaccines,
0: even with successful treatment. Yeah, the flu that you get um, every time flu season comes around, that's leftover mutated strains of 1918 (laughs) Spanish influenza.
1: So, by the way, one of the things at the at the school level that we're aware of is when schools um, part of schools' revenue is room and board. Obviously,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think I think it would be disastrous uh, for the schools for the colleges a second round to lose to lose the semester halfway through and to lose that room and board revenue again, and that, and that, all the disruptions of the students coming in for on-campus classes and then being sent home again. Yeah. I think that 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 is something that school administrators are very much going to want to try to avoid. So
0: To lose room and board and sports?
1: Yeah. By the way, one of the things that has developed in the last week is some really draconian cuts in um, budgets, faculty, salaries, staff and so on and oh, i think i lost sector.
0: you did i lose you
1: i'm i'm hearing you
0: okay all right i've we lost it for a second but i've got it back and we got th- we didn't get whatever you said was draconian okay
1: um i'm gonna go back outside. You. you hear me fine now yes okay um so I was saying that you know the idea that people have been talking about well maybe it'll be stop and start so so uh it becomes something more like normal but then if if the fatalities kick up then you have to retreat again and then you're back out and then you have to retreat again I don't there are certain sectors that are just not going to be able to operate that way Right um uh, the higher education sector it is a lot of trouble for families. Think about all the international students and students from all over the, all over the country who go, who converge and who move in and around August 10th to all these colleges. It was hugely disruptive um, to have to be moved out halfway through the semester. Yeah. To do that again in the fall and possibly again in the spring of 2021. And it's just um, unthinkable. So, Think about the challenge. I mean, this is why the executives make the big bucks, I guess. But think about the, the challenge. Do we open school for on campus at all in the fall? If we don't, how many people do we lose? Yeah. If we do, if we do, and we have another, and we have an outbreak on our campus, or there's such a national outbreak that everything gets closed again, then you have to move people out again. Um, just awful choices. One one could wish that there was some, some uh omniscient governor of the country or of the world. Um, that would be God, I guess, but God is not is not giving us the guidance uh, as to what our school should do. If we're having to decide, decide it ourselves. Um, in other words, in in the midst of the hodgepodge of conflicting decisions and approaches and advice, um, and so on, all leaders are having to make these decisions for themselves. And for that matter, all families yeah. are having to make this decision for yourself. Do we go out? So so let's say there are dining restaurants available in, in Atlanta as of Monday, some of them. Are you going to go, Jeremy?
0: Uh, I am not. I'm not taking my family.
1: Yeah. Have you put a timetable on that?
0: We've we've been talking about it, but we don't know where to put that trip line. I, I put it out there on Facebook yesterday. When do we say that it's safe to work towards a new normal? And the answers were so varied, and some of them put that line so far out that it's nearly unreachable. I don't know where my family should put it with, with a young child, and then I have to think about the people I come into contact with as a minister. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I could very successfully be a super-spreader. A super-spreader? A super-spreader.
1: Yeah. You could very successfully be a super-spreader. Any of us who, who see a lot of people, um, and especially vulnerable people, like uh, senior citizens and churches. Mm-hmm. That's a... You know, so that's a really serious responsibility.
0: And if we opened our church, if we, if we decided that... Next Sunday, we were going to have some sort of limited in-person experience and expect masks and distancing and all that jazz. The people that are going to come are our senior citizens. They're they're the ones that are going to be most anxious to return to normal church.
1: And I wonder what normal church, how normal it would feel Mm -hmm. if,
0: we remove every other seat and no one's and allowed to hug or shake hands and all the doors are propped open and we spray the sign of the cross on people in Lysol. <laughs> That's my new liturgical oh. greeting.
1: <laughs> Just we spray the sign of the cross on people with Lysol.
0: Nice. Yep. Oh, yeah. Covered in the blood and the, oh. the spray.
1: Now, Of talk about policy just a little bit more. Um, There are European uh, and other countries that are more centrally directed and are seeming to have some success with their strategy. Um, And the strategies have not all been the same. Mm -hmm. But in, in general, they've been centrally directed and they've been pretty draconian. And a lot of it had to do with catching this early, which we didn't do. Right, But but there's some cultural differences. Yeah. Germany, New Zealand, South Korea are three examples that I've heard about of really astute, fast moving, scientifically informed, uh, centralized decision making. And, um, and they've, they've done pretty well with their death rates and, uh, are beginning to look at being able to open up with less of a sense of randomness. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't think we've had that kind of leadership. Well, think and about the, the this, difference there
0: yeah. between those countries and us. New Zealand is small and homogenous. It's easy to control. And they're an island. That's yeah. got to mean something. Yeah. South Korea is Eastern, more collectivist. And Germany is, for a lack of a better term, obedient they have a strong understanding of their culture is about being in tune and they care about governance when the uh, do you remember when they put a uh, speed limit on the autobahn it was like 60 miles an hour this was in uh, the 80s do you, do you know what i'm talking about uh-huh and everyone drove the speed limit and then they got rid of that prime minister and took the speed limits away but while it was there they followed that law the United States doesn't, isn't homogenous, isn't small, isn't collectivist, and isn't obedient. We're cowboys.
1: And I think we're going to have an awful lot of, awful higher death rates because of it. In fact, at one level, I think that people have been surprisingly compliant with dramatic changes in their lives for about six weeks. Mm-hmm. When you drive around Atlanta, there's a I don't do it much because I'm not supposed to, but if I go to do a drive through <laughs> notice that, okay? Whew, so soft. You know, the, the traffic has been down. There's not as many people out. The restaurants and the malls and everything has been closed like they're supposed to. But people are, are beginning to chafe and, and to want more freedom, even the freedom to risk their own lives, their family's lives, and possibly others' lives. And I think that's just where we are uh, in some states, including mainly the Southern states. The other thing that's been interesting is the president has sometimes sounded like the leader of the whole country being guided by public health considerations, Mm
0: -hmm. but other,
1: but other times, especially on Twitter, sounding like the conservative, uh, you know, libertarian for lack of a better word. Um, You know, and also the partisan who's trying to um, undercut the Democratic governors who have been more draconian than he would like to be. And on this, yeah, liberate Minnesota, liberate Michigan or whatever. So on this, I personally don't need a president who goes on Twitter and is essentially undercutting the policies of states he disagrees with or even the policies that his own government is recommending um because in his heart of hearts i think in many ways in his heart of hearts he's never really stopped being the provocateur on twitter yeah i think that's his that's his role that's who he is really he's
0: the entertainer and the provocateur and the reality show host and he's never stopped being those things he's just changed his venue I, th- I think, yeah, like, and it's interesting, I, I like that you, I think the president is among those people who are chafing and getting bored and ha- feel like they've yeah. done what they needed to do. I thought that the president did a pretty good job right up front. Uh, in a few places, he was even ahead of advisement and, like, saying about travel bans and such, things that everyone is doing now. He did a little early, some things he was late on. But it seemed like the president was being presidential and leader-like for a while, and now I think he's bored and is sick of listening to other people Yeah, and wants to get back to business as usual and running his reality show.
1: He's also really concerned about the economy. That. Stock markets, unemployment rates, and um, it's going to be really hard to be reelected if the unemployment rate in Michigan is 22%. right? right. Um, and so he's, I mean, it's pretty clear he's, he's looking for an out. He'd like, he'd like to be able to take responsibility for rebuilding the economy, for uh, saving the economy and rebuilding it, as Obama was able to do after the financial crash of 2008. Um, sorry for the helicopter. I'm sitting outside today, Jeremy.
0: <laughs> are they coming for you because you've left your house?
1: No, oh, yes. I'm sitting in my in my backyard, and so the black helicopters are coming for me. Um, uh, so, so he wants to be able to take responsibility for a a, re, a booming stock market and a rebuilding economy and people back at work. Um, but if the death rate is hundred fold bigger than it should have been or tenfold bigger than it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that that will matter more to people in the end than the jobs, but both matter to people. It's both, you know? Yeah. And, you know, in, in Germany, Angela Merkel is a scientist. And, and when you look at her speeches, she, she speaks about these matters with a fluency that comes with her training. Um, and, um, I, I would have, it would have been nice if we had had that kind of leader. Um, but we don't. We rarely have had that kind of leader. It's just not, not our culture. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I don't feel like our country is especially well led right now. And, but I, I do believe that in November, um, the people will declare how satisfied they are with their leaders when they vote. And, and that is how democracy works
0: and we're going to have to figure out how to vote
1: yeah, yeah.
0: that's going to be a strange people, one
1: people will people will find a way to vote I think um, especially if they're unhappy they will find a way to vote
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so so it's a bewildering time uh, as, for, as for my family uh, we have the privilege of I'm, I have been doing my work from home. My semester is about to end and my classes have really gone well. Um, and I, I will have a summer to get ready for the the fall. I am preparing to teach online in the fall, just in case it's required. The whole everything will be set up so that I can move online at a moment's notice. Um and and but so we have the freedom and the privilege of being able to stay home and, and Jeannie and I are gonna stay home on the current kind of lockdown model pretty much through the month of May. And then we'll see where we are. Um, So I I don't agree with the Georgia governor's decision to open it up earlier. And for that matter, just the lack of clarity and and the lack of, the lack of rationale for who's open and who's not and why.
0: Yeah. It seems so random.
1: Yeah. So we're on our own and, with the freedom to stay home, we're going to exercise that freedom and stay home. Um, but for those who don't have the freedom to stay home, who are now going to be required to go to work, um, I, 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 I feel very bad and I, it doesn't seem fair. And in fact, the, the, you know, one of, one judgment on this is essentially if you can say these places need to be, to go ahead and open up then you can deny state unemployment benefits for companies and the employees that don't open up. So it, it may be a way to reduce pressure on the, the state coffers. Mm. See, in a, in, a situation, in a situation like this, because businesses are not making money and people are not making as much money, they don't get as much tax revenue. Right. So revenue is, da- revenue is down, but expenses are up because you have to pay for all these unemployment benefits. Mm-hmm. And so that's also unsustainable. State by state, that's unsustainable. Um, so there's all kinds of financial pressure, both at the national level and at the state level, to get some revenue flowing again. I understand that.
0: So what are... Give me... I'm think In my head, I have the the pyramid diagram with rules and principles. W- what are... Yeah. What are the, the, the principles, uh, what Christian ethical principles are at the top right now? What, what's guiding, what should guide the way mm-hmm. we think?
1: Um, protect human life.
0: Okay. Sacredness.
1: Sacredness of life. Um, uh, take care of the vulnerable. Um, so justice from below, justice for the least of these. Um, uh, uh, respect human freedom. Um, and um, uh, provide clear guidance mm. so people can make so people can make informed decisions.
0: I've been and, thinking. Oh, go ahead. I'll let yeah. you finish.
1: That kind of makes me think about, like, in the hospital ethics. Funny, a lot of what I just articulated is what is is what is operative in medical ethics. Yeah, y- your list sense,
0: was took me to a lot <laughs> of my reading on hospice work.
1: Yeah. So, in a sense, what that signals is that. This is like a national medical ethics emergency, basically, um, and it is a pandemic is a is a health emergency, but it affects everybody instead of some people, and so, but it doesn't affect everybody in exactly the same way. So, like if you're in the hospital, you know the goal is to protect and save life, um, and to to especially uh, protect the vulnerable whose whose rights and interests are most likely to be to be uh, violated, and um, uh, to tell the truth, provide clear guidance and options for people um, so that they can make informed consent decisions. It's a medical ethics kind of yeah. principle, really. Uh, yeah,
0: I've been thinking through this situation. I- I've been doing a lot of very com- sort of continental thinking about I. I need to judge my behavior as if it was the way everyone was going to behave. If everyone that's made so the decision. Kantian. Yep, that's me. The categorical imperative. That's the
1: categorical imperative. That's, you, categorical imperative.
0: that's always yep. f- been very central to the way that I build things is Kant's thoughts about how you treat humans always ends and never means and then do I would I be okay with everyone always acting the way I'm currently acting?
1: Yeah, that's uh, two formulations of the categorical imperative and the principle of universalizability, which right. is a great word. It's um, a fun one. So, so yes, those are those are good guides to um, to individual action here. Um, Truth telling, as I think about it, it, was it was huge for Kant and it's huge for Jesus, and it it should be huge. Tell people the truth as best you can about about the medical realities, as well as the economic realities, and about the pluses and minuses of every possible course of action, so that they can make an informed decision.
0: Mm-hmm. And tr- truth will always yield justice.
1: <laughs> it well, sometimes certainly, take... untruth. Yeah. Yeah, certainly, untruthful will not yield justice.
0: Well, truth um, will at least. It will always shine that light. It'll show us which way to justice. Whether or not we take it is always the big right. question. We frequently yeah. choose the wrong path, unfortunately. But that's that's the I way think to it's make really, way really
1: helpful. Yeah, I think it's really helpful to think about, you know, the most natural selfish instinct is to ask, what is best for me and my family? Um... But the better question is, how can I love my neighbor? How and how do our decisions implicate love of neighbor? Right.
0: Right. I've been encouraging my congregation to use Micah six eight as a guideline on you no know, what what does the Lord require of you? It's to seek justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And I've been trying to frame this as one of our decision-making fulcrums that you should seek justice. You should, or yeah, you should seek justice. You should think always of the most vulnerable around you, that you shouldn't allow them to be trampled right now because the vulnerable are becoming more vulnerable in this time, that we must protect the vulnerable, that we must seek to live as people of kindness and mercy and righteousness. Those words kind of blur together in the the Hebrew there that mm-hmm. we must also do right. We, we should call out the powerful in our seeking justice, but we also have to act locally that you have to do the right thing for the people around you that, um, and that's where our sacredness, so that, that justice falls into your telling the truth. Uh, kindness and mercy falls into human life, sacredness of, of care, of protection. And then to walk humbly, I think, is so important right now because so many of us want to get on Facebook and Twitter and scream what we, as people locked in our house, know is yeah. right, is the right action right now, and to rage against our neighbor who we think is so wrong. I mean, it's one thing to call out the president or your governor or your mayor, but people are vicious to their peers who disagree with them right now.
1: Yeah, that's true. And that's just been where our culture has gone. Um, and now that we are dividing six weeks into lockdown on what the best path forward is, that brief moment of solidarity appears to be giving way to the even a deepening of the viciousness Mm-hmm. Um, partly probably, probably because everybody's scared. Um, we deep. have to guard against
0: scapegoating.
1: Yeah. That's going deep. to be
0: so tempting.
1: That's true. In fact, there's already been that tendency towards, um, towards for example, Asian Americans and Asians, right? Yes.
0: If we could just um, get rid of... And it's not like there's a precedent for that in our country of taking Asian Americans and putting them somewhere else.
1: Yeah. By the way, I heard... That I read just uh, y- well, yesterday that there was some some of this was happening to uh, Africans in China um, that uh, it may still be somehow the virus has become associated with Africans in China and they've been being mistreated there. And so the scapegoating, the irrational scapegoating impulse, is not just an American problem, it's a human problem.
0: Yeah, you look at the, um, uh, the medieval and renaissance era plagues. And the Jews took the, the blame for that's that right. one.
1: Yeah, that's true. Blame we found a Jews vulnerable
0: and marginalized group and heaped the blame onto them, and then you were able to destroy it so that that scapegoat could carry away. You you send the Jews out of your country, and now you hope the plague will go with them. You get... And it's worth... Guys, you got to keep an eye on human rights issues in China. What they've done with their Muslim population and their African populations are horrified. Yeah. The number of people, especially yeah. during this outbreak that have just disappeared.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, I, I, that this may be a good place to wrap up today, but I, I started off in answer to your first question, trying to offer a note of understanding in in that, humility related to we've never not in living memory decision makers have not been in a situation like this before um the little epidemics like SARS and swine flu are looking like child's play compared to this one um people are improvising um they're doing the best that they can in our political system they will be held accountable for their decisions and that's how it should be, but a little bit of a little bit of understanding and mercy about the yeah. semi untouched in the nature of this is appropriate. And but then the kind of sad recognition that in many ways every decision maker at every level now is being left to us, depending on what state you're in. But in Georgia, that's I think where we find ourselves. Every church, every business, every school, every family. We'll have to decide right now what does justice and truth and love of neighbor and sacredness of life um, and taking care of the least of these, what does it require? So in, in essence, it's a moral test um, based on complicated range of factual, factual judgments and values judgments. The moral test that we all face for the first six weeks, other people were making these decisions for us in a lot of ways. You will go home. Your tools mm-hmm. will be canceled. Okay, boom. Okay, well. So we didn't have the agony of choice as much, right? Yeah. Now.
0: We've got the dizziness. Now,
1: yeah, now uh, we were just told what to do. But now the agony of choice is on us. It's on us.
0: Here comes the angst.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, That's what the existentialist told us about. Yep. And yep. The, nauseating, the nauseating fear, what if I choose wrongly? Somebody dies because I made a wrong choice. Not everybody fares very well under that kind of pressure. That's one reason why we like to have people make decisions for us. But it looks like we're going to be making them for ourselves.
0: I think that's that's a good place to stop for today. Maybe the yeah. next time, uh, there's some interesting questions arising about how to help. We've mm-hmm. that might be a good place to go next. Questions of who should be allowed okay. to help. How do we help the helpers um, has come up a lot in my community, people. And as a minister, I've sort of become a community organizer and trying to connect people with resources. Um, And so folks are showing up and asking, how do I help? And a lot of the answers aren't clear. So maybe that's a good place to go next. This has been a... a really good conversation we're gonna keep it going next week y'all um i'm doing my best here in uh, the uh kingdom ethics studio to edit these quickly turn them around quickly and create space for y'all to talk back so stay in here with us uh leave comments leave feedback uh give us a, a good review and a good rating that goes a long way uh in helping others find this program Uh, In this season where we're all stuck inside listening to podcasts, uh, share. Push this on to people that you think might find it helpful. And um, we want to hear from you because we're locked in our houses as well. And we're lonely. So shoot us a message. We're pretty good at talking back. Uh, David, thank you for your time.
1: Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Thanks to all of our listeners.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Grace and peace, friends.
1: Bye-bye.